Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. Back goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone. Fly the W. Cubs fans, it's time to fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul Crawley Jean. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This is season one, episode number 49. We're calling this one the Cubs Vegas Gamble. I'm Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show on 670 The Score. The guys are on from 530 to 10. And of course, 670 The Score is your radio home for Cubs baseball. And as always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. Crowley, how are you? Uh, not as good as Scott Boris's bank account, but uh, I'm doing all right. <laughs> now, I'm just going to tell you, don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the Fly the W podcast and follow all our socials, Fly the W670 on Twitter and Instagram and Fly the W on Facebook. If you are following all of that, you'd know there's a lot of news going out today. Yeah, quite a bit of baseball news going on, and the uh, general manager meetings are just wrapping up. In Las Vegas, uh, I think most of the official talking is done. People are heading back to their home bases. I don't know if you got to hear any of that uh, uh, audio from uh, the the super agent that you just referred to, but he was uh, very interesting as usual when he uh, decides to descend on these types of gatherings, Crowley. You know, in wrestling, they call it the heel, right? He just plays the heel. He plays the part so well. I, I know people don't like him, and he's a divisive figure, but you got to admit, he's, he's entertaining. Oh, entertaining is all heck, right? I mean, some great audio that we play talking about Gucci and Fendi and this and that. and uh, The X-Man yeah. and all mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the Pixar, Finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, did, he does believe that the Cubs are going to be spending. So if you're a fan of that, then that is, uh, that is good news. Well, that, that's the hope. Uh, but with Boris, you never know if he's just trying to leverage other people into spending more money on his clients, which is why he's the best at what he does. Now, we've talked about the need for a starter and a shortstop, uh, some first base help, and because of injuries to some of our top prospects, uh, some starting center field help. But, uh, you know, the, the conversations were going on. And as you talked about, the Cubs did meet with Scott Boris. The, the, these uh, GM meetings are a great opportunity, and that's where players – not players, I'm sorry, agents and front offices really kind of start feeling each other out and start making their intentions known. So sources say the Cubs met with Boris and his associates to discuss different players. Now, obviously, we've talked about shortstop. Boris represents two of the big four, Carlos Correa, and just announced seconds ago, uh, Xander Bogarts, who won the Silver Slugger. So uh, Boris said... Cha-ching! Oh, yeah. Boris (laughs) has to like the sound of that. And also, Dustin... Trey Turner wins it as well um, on the NL side. But Boris had said, quote, no teams are asking players I represent to move off shortstop. Okay. And that, that quote's important because, you know, we've kind of kicked around the idea of, of you know, are we going to move Nico? Do you want Nico at short? And then move, uh, you know, potentially Correa to third. They're just questions that were kicked around. And so Boris saying that, obviously, he's not going to say, you know, he's always going to stick up for his client. But, of course, you know, it's interesting because Jed Hoyer's there and he says, I look at the shortstop situation kind of like the way you look at a draft, which is if you drafted a shortstop every year, you'd be in good shape. The best defenders usually play shortstop. The best athletes often play shortstop. Those are the guys you want around. 
And so one thing that Hoyer brought up is Nico, who we talked about on the show previously, top five fielder by defensive war. Uh, he was a gold glove finalist at second base two years ago. So he already was, he didn't win it, but he was up for a gold glove. He was nominated for one a couple of years back. And so, you know, it, it, it's, he talked about, you know, it's a position where you can have multiple guys that can do it. And so he brought up, obviously, when you had Addison Russell and Javi Baez, you know, during that championship window, 2015, 2016, even into 2017, you know, remember sometimes you'd have uh, Ben Zobras playing second, you know, and if somebody was injured, you didn't lose a step. When Nico got injured at shortstop, uh, there was that collision, right, with the umpire? Right. You saw that there was literally no depth. Nothing was behind Zero, him. zero. Fell off a cliff. Right. And so, if you know, if you do get somebody like Correa or Bogarts or Turner, you know, or Dansby Swanson or whoever, and God forbid something happens, let's say let's make it nice and simple and just a simple hamstring or a quad or something. Right. You know that you could always move Nico back to short and, you know, you still have an excellent gold glove caliber shortstop. And so, you know, it's it, I think the big difference you're going to see between this year and last year is the depth. Yeah, okay. that's a great point. That's a really, really great point and a really great way to look at the, the just the overall importance and the value of Nico Horner, a guy that the Cubs could get under wraps this offseason. Right, and also when they were in conversations with Boris's people, it's important to note he represents Josh Bell, also won the Silver Slug Award a few minutes ago, Silver Slugger, uh, first baseman in DH. And one of my guys, one of my guys I mentioned earlier, right? Absolutely. He was on your radar. And then Mets center fielder Brandon Nimmo. Now, Nimmo had a career year for the Mets playing 151 games, um, but it is really unlikely that the Cubs would even kick the tires on that as center fielder. Again, they have a lot of good center fielders coming up. You're looking probably something more of a stopgap. And uh, he also comes with a qualifying offer attached. So it is not very likely that the Cubs will be in on that. Um, other news out of there, Bruce Levine's uh, score and Odyssey Insider continues to mention Jose Abreu as a top target for the Cubs. Now, Dustin, you know as much as I do that, that Bruce is very plugged in, but when it comes to Chicago baseball, there's no one more plugged in than Bruce. Nobody more plugged in. So uh, he would not run this up the flagpole, if you will, if there was not something there. Jose also might not want to move the family out of town, right? Jose might want to stick around. And they're also, Bruce is also reporting that there is zero, okay, Blutarski that he's going back to the south side. So Jose Abreu might even be available at a discounted price, if you will, to take the red line up to Wrigley Field and be a member of the Cubs next year. Well, it's one of those things that I think, it, you know, it works out good because the Cubs are, again, looking for those, you know, deals that are not long-term. You don't know what Matt Mervis can do in the long run, but but Jose Abreu is a really good, like, you know, transition piece. Jose Abreu is 36. You know, he's not going to be asking for a five-year contract. He knows he's not going to get that. At two years, not a big deal uh, or whatever they work out. But, you know, beyond being a good teammate, um, just in general, you know, we're assuming Wilson's going to be gone. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. But, um, you know, again, it's really great to have someone who is a respected 
um, player, MLB player for a lot of the Latino players that the Cubs have up there, the young players. We talked about the difference that that made for a lot of the young ball, Cubs players to have like a, a leader of that stature. And one thing that the White Sox have always had is they've had a good Cuban connection, right? Like people from Cuba know about the White Sox, Minnie Minoso going all the way back and just tons of players in White Sox history that have that Cuban connection along with Jose Abreu. It would be great if we can get some of that, you know, on, on the north side. Somebody else that Bruce mentioned that we have not uh, talked about, at least if we did, I don't remember, and I'll apologize if we did, was Corey Kluber was on the uh, Cubs list as well, correct? Yeah, you know, he did talk about Corey Kluber. I wasn't impressed with the season last year. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I feel like that's, you know. It doesn't sound of, like you like that idea very much, Crowley. <laughs> it, it may be a Wade, Wade Miley type thing where, you know, you try okay. to take a, take a swing at it and see if you get lucky like the White Sox did with, um, oh, when, when White Sox signed uh, Cueto, Johnny Cueto. And so, you're, you're okay. you know, th- that's the same type of thing. Maybe you take a, a flyer on him and he just kind of has a bump, uh, comeback year or something, but. I'm not. I'm not big on it, man. I, okay. I will. T- I will tell you what does excite me though is that the Cubs brass also met with Joe Wolf, who's Joe Wolf. He's not as big a name as say Scott Boris, but he is the agent who represents Seiya Suzuki and the guy I've been talking about for a while now, Japanese free agent starter uh, Cody Senga. He does not have a posting fee. He's just a regular old free agent. According to Gordon Whitmire, a friend of the pod, Wolf said Seiya and Cody have been in contact and had nice things to say about his experience in Chicago. Quote, Seiya, talking about Seiya, really loved his experience with the Cubs and living in Chicago. He's really happy that he chose the Cubs, and I know he's looking forward to spring training already. And Wolf said about now Senga, Senga is very open-minded and would like to play in a big market with a team trying to win right now. He has a great deal of interest in being a big market. Okay, so right there, Cubs, right? Big market, we got you. Seiya's recruitment would be important, as Wolf said, because it matters a lot more than it does with American players. The American players have lived here. They've been to the cities. They know the players. They know the coaches. They have a lot more connective tissue to the team through their own relationships and channels. But the Japanese players, most of them, are really seeing it for the first time, so they're more impressionable, those type of personal pitches. So Seiya talking to uh, Kodai that, you know, hey, come on over, it's gonna be great, you're gonna love Chicago, that's a big deal. Don't forget that another Joe Wolf client, Yu Darvish, spoke highly about Chicago when Seiya was looking to sign, and, and people said that helped push him, especially from San Francisco to Chicago. So if, I'm, you know, that's gonna be absolutely awesome if Seiya can push and can, can get Senga over here. And Dustin, let me just kind of throw this out because I'm just trying to wish it into existence, right? You get Seiya, who I think is going to have a better year next year. You get Kode Senga next year with his plus fastball, 101-mile-per-hour fastball and a plus slider, right? And then next year, Shohei Otani will be a free agent. Ah, look at you. Look at you connecting some dots, Crawley. Maybe he would like to join Seiya and Kodai. That would be some fun. That, that's pretty interesting. Now, here's what i like to know, and you know more about uh, this Japanese pitcher than I do. I will admit that. What about his recruitment or his joining the Cubs would get in the way, potentially, of one of the big four shortstops? 
there should be nothing that gets in the. I mean, the, the, you know, the Cubs separate, are, separate, two separate things. One right? Not, yeah, you, you're, one you're is not incongruent in to the other or anything like that. No, 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 no. Okay. It's 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 you need a top of the line starter. You need another top of the line starter, and you need a, a shortstop that that has some pop. You know, good bat. And, and if so you did not go this route, Crowley, you just said it. The Cubs need a top of the line starter. If the Cubs weren't to go this route, what would you say would be the most likely backup plan? If there even is one, I mean, you're, you know, from what people are saying and the reports that are coming out, it looks like Carlos Rodon, who's a what, former uh, South Sider, looks like they, there's a lot tying him to Texas. Yeah, uh, Texas Rangers. will just back up the Brinks truck and pay him anything he wants, right? They, right. They seem and, like and, they print money down there. And not only that, he just bought a house in Dallas. There you go. So, right. <laughs> so uh, you know, when you when you look at the free agent market, it's not something that impresses that uh, impresses me that much. Um, you know, Degrom is a guy we've talked about that has had you know dominant when healthy, but that if healthy, you know, he's not going to be signing for cheap. Kodai is the one that I really like. I, I got my hopes kind of pinned on that, and I, I know I should probably kind of you know keep in mind that there are other teams. I know Boston has been on uh, on their uh, Kodai has been on Boston's radar. So, you know, it's I, I'm not 100 percent impressed with the free agent market. I know that they are talking to Drew Smiley. Um, yeah, but that's so, not the answer, Crowley. I mean, that, right. No, it'd no, be no, nice no, to no. have Drew Smiley around. I'm talking Crowley. You said front of the heap, top of the line. OK, and that's this is like the only guy out there, I think, that kind of checks the boxes. And and it's still unknown what he's going to do against major league competition. Yeah, and, and but the one thing I, you know, I always see a lot of the, you know, to me the Japanese pitchers, they, they are just absolutely uh, pretty electric. They always, you know, when you talk about you Darvish or you talk about uh, a lot of the different Japanese pitchers, you know, I, I, I always feel like, it's easier than the hitters, in my opinion. I feel like the pitchers have a leg up on the Japanese hitters. And so, you know, when I look at the list uh, of free agent starters and trying to be realistic about it, it's just nothing super impressive. Yeah, nothing um, jumps I'm off the page here. at you. Nothing, nothing no. at all jumps off the page at you. Unless, unless you are in love with Carlos Rodon, which I, if you've listened to this podcast or listened to the score, know I am not. I hope he gets everything that him and his family want. I wish nothing bad things. I just don't want the Cubs to be the ones providing that money. Mike Clevenger, maybe. Like, like I said, there's no one that I'm overly enthusiastic. How about Jose Quintana? You want to go back that route? No. Jose Quintana, Zach Davies? No shot. No shot. <laughs> No, 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 no. So, this, so it's, it's like I said, it's a weak free agent class. And so, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I, I'm hoping that the Senga is the one that I really kind of put my eggs in that basket. And, and I'm hoping it works out for the Cubs. If not, again, remember that they had a lot of success with some of the younger pitches. I don't know if you can count on that, but, but we'll kind of see what ends up happening. Hopefully a, a healthy uh, Kyle Hendricks, um, a really good season, a full season of great starts by Marcus Stroman. Uh, if they didn't get Drew Smiley back, you know, you're, you're looking at depth. But, I mean, that's not top of the front end, you know, rotation. You saw some of that when we watched the World Series when you talked about uh, seeing the pitchers at Houston was rolling out there, especially, and also Philadelphia. So you got to have a big, a, a big gun, you know what I mean? Absolutely right. 
You're listening to Season 1, Episode number 49, The Cubs' Vegas Gamble. I'm Dustin Rhodes. As always, I'm joined by my buddy Crowley. And uh, the Cubs announced earlier this week that the 2023 coaching staff would be some slight changes, but a lot of guys are staying on, including our next guest. That is Cubs bullpen coach Chris Young. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have bullpen coach Chris Young. CY, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me. Thanks. Oh, it's our pleasure. And, uh, you know, exciting because it was announced this week that uh, you're coming back for your fourth season in the Cubs coaching staff. So that's some exciting news. Yeah, it's incredible. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a fun three years, kind of a, a quirky three years at times with some of the stuff we dealt with. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, looking to forward to year four and uh, and some more wins. Right, right, right. And so, you know, I was kind of looking at your background. You're born and raised in Biloxi, Mississippi, and uh, attended Mississippi State University. Bulldog, right? Yes, sir. Believe it. And then the Colorado Rockies selected you in the 18th round of the 2002 MLB draft. Uh, you had to be a little bit nervous when you got that call, especially when it's the Rockies, and, and you always know their history with pitchers, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, at that point in time, you're just happy when the phone rings. You know, you're happy someone's getting you a chance to kind of go chase down your dreams. So uh, it was uh, it was an exciting day. Yeah, and you played six seasons of minor league ball with a couple of different organizations. You made it up to uh, AAA. Uh, was there a time, though, when did you first start to realize, you know, hey, maybe I'm not going to, you know, be able to keep doing this. I might need to look at something else. And when did the idea of coaching pop into your head? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, you get to AAA, and and I think back then, the 05, 06, 07, AAA was, was pretty close to the big leagues, and, and you could start to see, like, all right, I've kind of lost the ability to make some guys swings and miss here. So, um, and, and the guys that were flying by me could make some guys swing and miss. So it was kind of a, a clear indication of what was going on. And and so, you know, kind of once that, as that was starting to wind down a little bit, the real life scenario of, all right, what am I going to actually do for for real now at 28, 29 years old? I was fortunate to have a college degree, um, went back and finished. So that, so that was nice. And, um, and I was, I, I always look back in my baseball career and realize how fortunate I was to have incredible coaches. And, and that was always something that I, I felt like was kind of bestowed upon me to give back because of what the coaches that I had when I was growing up. Right. And so you started out as a scout with San Diego, and then you were a scouting supervisor for the Astros from 2015 to 17. And then after the 2017 season, the Phillies hired you as an assistant pitching coach. And then eventually you made it as the uh, pitching coach in 2019. So uh, the World Series had to have been really interesting for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it was interesting just because it was just great baseball. I mean, I thought it was great baseball. It was great theater um you know two two packed ballparks two loud ballparks i mean it was great players all over the field on both sides just i mean elite baseball players and so i think that part that part made it a lot of fun to just watch really good baseball every night and then you get pulled at your heartstrings a little bit with some guys that you'd coach that you feel close with and the the phillies manager rob thompson was the bench coach when i was there who i think is one of the most brilliant baseball men i've ever been around and, and so you're really pulling hard for him and and you've got some friends in Houston still. So um, it was it was nice to just sit back and, and enjoy what uh, what I actually thought was a really good baseball and a really good representation of our sport. I got to tell you, CY, I don't know how Thompson wasn't mentioned in manager of the year. I'm scratching my head on that one. Uh, you know, that was that was a team that looked like it was dead in the water right around the all-star break. And, and now they win the World Series and 
or I mean, make it all the way to the World Series. I mean, that was just incredible. But, uh, you know, in November 7th, 2019, Opportunity Knox, uh, you're hired. You're the first new addition uh, to the coaching staff under David Ross. Did you know Rossi before you came over? No, I did not. Uh, we, we had not met. I had um, just really in passing in Philly, John Maley was our hitting coach, um, who obviously was a hitting coach for the Cubs, World Series championship hitting coach, great human being. Well, we were playing here in the summer, and he said, hey, I want to walk you over and meet Tommy Hadovy. I think you guys would really hit it off. And huh. um, he just happened to introduce Tommy and I. We stood out in center, center field in Wrigley for maybe 15, 20 minutes one day and just kind of just talked and caught up with each other and got to meet each other a little bit. And um, I thought, ah, you know, great dude. This guy's going to be great. we really good at what he does. And we kind of went our ways and then was fortunate enough after, after, the, after getting let go in Philly that my phone rang and, and Tommy was reaching out. Yeah, that, that had to have been amazing. And I know the Cubs did their homework. And uh, one of the things I was reading is that they checked in with uh, some pitchers that they knew, Jake Arrieta, you know, to ask about you. Tell me your relationship with Jake. How did that work out? Uh, you know, it was great. I mean, I, I think Jake was Jake was really um, – I really enjoyed my time around Jake. I think you just to, – to be around that type of, of a competitor is just something you don't get the chance to – you don't get the chance to do that very often in coaching. I mean, a guy that's a – it's a Cy Young Award winner, a World Series winner, who every fifth day is, is, is ready to, to do everything possible to win. And so I really enjoyed my time around Jake. It's, he's, he's very intelligent. He knows a lot about himself. If, if you had some thoughts for him, he would challenge you um, in, in a really professional way. And so I really enjoyed my time around Jake. And, and I thought we both kind of, we both made each other better. And, um, and so it was a really good, uh, it was a really good relationship. I really enjoyed Jake. We were talking a little bit uh, off the air and uh, you were, you were telling me, you know, 2020 was your first year really. And that's when uh, you went to CubsCon and then all of a sudden things kind of just went haywire. Um, but now you're going to be able to come back to CubsCon, which is going to be excited. Uh, as you sit here and you take a look at the Cubs fan and the fan base over the last couple of years, what really sticks out to you compared to the other stops you've been along on your career? Yeah. I mean, it's almost get goosebumps just having, just having that question. I, I just, it's, you know, it's just, it's really, it's indescribable. Yeah, I, I compared a lot to, I was fortunate enough to play college baseball at Mississippi State where, where on a given weekend, we would draw 30, 35,000 people on a weekend where, wow. and you, and you try to explain it to people and they just, you can never do it justice. And I, and I just don't think you can explain to people what Wrigley Field is like in the summer on Friday at 120. You can use the best adjectives you can come up with and it just really, it'll always fall short. And, and and I don't think I don't think there's a way to do it. I, I I tell our guys all the time when when we're walking in after a game out of the bullpen, and the songs playing, I'm like, hey, enjoy this walk, boys. Like this isn't a walk that that many other people get to do. And and so it, it's um it means the world. It's an incredible place. The fans are incredible. The atmosphere is incredible. It, it's it recruits itself. It sells itself. It, it's it's like Disneyland. I think that's the best one I always come up with. It's like, and when you go to Disneyland, everyone's happy. And it's just, uh, I think that's the, that's the only way I've come up with. And it still doesn't feel like it does it justice. That's, that's well put. Now, see what question for you now for our listeners out there who may not know, walk us through, you said 120 on a Friday, which is the best, you know, the best kind of thing. Walk me through the day of a bullpen coach and kind of what some of your roles and responsibilities are. Yeah, you know, and so uh, we start early. You know, we're normally we're normally plowing through that ballpark eight eight thirty and and trying to get some stuff ready. There's always prep for the next series that's coming up, so that always kind of takes a chunk of time. And you're kind of going through what happened in the game yesterday, like who got in, who pitched. I'll generally 
spend more of my time on the relievers. Um, but if but if Tommy's there, or Moscos is there, needs a little something, we'll we'll stick ahead in on a starter too. But mostly just kind of going over what the guys threw yesterday, how it went. Is there anything we need to to hit them with in the morning before catch play before the game? Is there anything? You know that's changed with their stuff. That's changed with their delivery. That's that's that we've noticed. That's a trend that we want to kind of get in front of a little bit. And and then Tommy and I will will talk about who do we think um, is available for that day. Um, and then we try to get all that stuff wrapped up. So as the players start coming in, you'll have guys start popping in the video room, wanting to watch the game from the night before. You'll have guys that are that are feeling good and want to watch to see what they look like when they're going well. And you'll see some guys that are struggling that want to come in. And and so you really try to get all your stuff done so that you're there for the players and, and you're there for the needs that they have before you head outside to play catch. And I think that the role of pitching coach and bullpen coach and, and all you guys that are working together as a team, there really is an important psychological component to it. I mean, to be a reliever, it, it has to be so difficult because you may walk into an absolute dumpster fight, you know, that's not of your own making, but somehow you just have to sit there and, and have nerves and, 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 you know, forget about the day before, you know, can't, you got to kind of just be focused in the moment and not everybody is wired that way. No, it's incredible. I, I tell people all the time, if you can imagine sitting around and, and eating and chewing some gum, a phone rings. And then within three minutes of that phone ringing, you're in front of 42,000 people screaming and you're trying to figure out how to get out of this thing. If you don't do your job while the game's over. And at times that happens in less than 10 minutes from the time the phone rings. And, and, and if it doesn't go well, just a heads up, like there's a good chance that same scenario is going to come up again in 24 hours and you got to be ready to go at it again. And so it's, um, it's incredibly difficult what those guys do on a daily basis. It's incredibly difficult what we ask them to do. Um, and so you're right. I mean, I think physically there's always stuff we're monitoring. Technology helps us out monitor some of the physical stuff now, but, but I do think the, just the being available for these guys to listen sometimes, listen more than talk and, and to just be there for them and, and be there for them when the good times and be there for them the bad times. But I think more importantly, just it's all of our jobs to just be consistent with them, right? And to try and just teach that consistency because when, you, when you're down there and you see, and I've been as a bullpen coach in Chicago, I'm incredibly fortunate to see what a Craig Kimbrell looks like and a Jerry Jeffries and a Tapera and a Chafin and a David Robertson and a Michael Givens what these guys that have been doing this for five, six, seven, 10, 13 years, how they handle themselves. And you just try and take a lot from that and you see the consistency. And to your point of just, you just try to preach that to these younger guys. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting now the game starts and how much time would you say the guys in there start are really kind of paying attention to the game? Do you think some guys are paying attention, not paying attention? Do they have their own routine? What goes on in that? So I, just so you know, I'm a season ticket holder and my season tickets at over 20 years are in the very first row of the upper deck. And I got to live through the glorious years of when the bullpen was right outside up against the third baseline. Now they got you guys kind of penned up in, in the underneath left field bleachers. So I kind of feel bad that, you know, cause it was such a fun experience back in the day, but what's going on under there while the game's going on. Yeah. It's different at home, right? Cause you are, you are kind of away from everybody and I think we talk about all the time. It's kind of got its perks and it's definitely got its downsides. I, I think like being in that environment, feeling that crowd, feeling the atmosphere, feeling the game a little bit like that part you miss. Um, but then there's also the, the, the added benefit of, of, you know, hiding out in the corner down there with some turf and stretching out and kind of rolling around on some foam rollers or, you know, like, let's be honest, you know, you goofing off a little bit in the first or two innings when, 
when guy when the starters are on a roll a little bit. But it, it, you know, these guys for the most part, like we all we, we've got the game. We, we we can see the game. We know what's going on. And and when the starters rolling and things are good, it's a little looser. And 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 these guys all understand. You know, if, if something starts to go awry out there, you know, it'll, it'll get a little bit more quieter down there, and, and guys will start to lock in and start to go through their routines a little bit. But you know, I think as a group, and I trust the players with this just as much as I, I think it's my responsibility is just to is to keep that room light, and, right. to, and to keep that room fresh, and to keep it honest for how job how hard their jobs are, right? right. I, I think you don't you know it's there's no hiding from the fact that the phone rings and you're in the game bases loaded, nobody out in the seventh. But at the same time, like just being able to like keep it light, make jokes, like we kind of have a running saying down there that it's never too soon, and. And if you do something silly or you give up a run the night before or you give up a home run the night before, like there's a chance the next day someone's going to kind of crack a joke about it. And and just so you just move on and get over <laughs> it and, and and get going a little bit. And and uh, we kind of, you know, I just think it's it's part of that culture down there. Yeah, that it, it, it's a uh, it's fun to watch. And, and sometimes, you know, I'll come down, I'm in the bleachers every now and then I'll pop in and just kind of see that glass and see him in there. And I'm just like, man, that's just crazy. So the phone rings, you pick it up. Who's usually on the other line? Is it, is it Tommy or, or is it David sometimes? Yeah, most of the time it's Tommy. Yeah, every once in a while, if Tommy's making a mound visit, Rossi will grab it. Or if, 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 Tommy's, if Tommy's got something going on or Tommy and Rossi are talking green, he'll kind of pop down and grab it. But the majority of the time, yeah, Tommy will come down and we'll call and uh, kind of give you the heads up on what's going on. And you guys, like you said, talked about it the previous day and you, you get the guy up and run. Has there ever been a time where you're kind of watching and you're a little bit nervous, like something seems off, guy doesn't seem to have it, not as crisp? And what do you do in that situation? Yeah, you know, you don't worry much. I don't worry about it as much with, with performance, I think, as we do health. You know, where like sometimes, I mean, I think we've seen guys warm up down there and I'm going, oh, this might not be good. And then you go out and they strike out the side. And then I think, you know, you've had guys run out of the bullpen doors where you're like, dude, this is, that was electric. And then he can't get an out. And so I think the ebb and flow of that over the season, I think just when you think, you know, you probably don't. And and so I think sometimes the, the ones that get a little dicey down there is if you think a guy's arms hanging a little bit when he's warming up or, you know, he might slip or something and he grabs his back warming up and he tells you he's fine. Those are the ones that get a little bit dicey where you kind of want to call down and go, Hey, heads up like slipped on a pitch warming up, just watch his back a little bit. Um, you know, cause it's, it's as much as that conversation makes sense in your head. Sometimes you, you call down to the dugout and now they're like, you just, well, you're just telling me the guy's hurt, you know, like, what do you got? And so you, you kind of want to walk that edge a little bit. So I, I think performance wise, you know, we try, we as a group get these guys to understand like, Hey, those eight, 10, 12 pitches in the bullpen that you're just getting your body warm. You're going to get eight when you get out there and you've been doing this, 40, 50 times already this year, it'll be there. Let's go to work. Right. Now, when you go out to uh, spring training, you work with all the pitchers, right? And then, but then once the season starts, obviously, you know, your focus is with the major league club. Do you, when you sit here and some of these guys get called up, you were talking about some names before, like David Robertson or Craig Kimbrell or, or some, or Efros or, you know, these type of guys but it seems like the Cubs are developing a lot of good young pitchers that are throwing gas. I mean, when we had, we've had Javier Assad on the show, Manny Rodriguez, I saw when he was at the alt site here near Schaumburg. I mean, some of these guys are just literally just very impressive and that's gotta be exciting, you know, because obviously velocity plays, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can't teach that sometimes. And it seems like the Cubs are developing that more and more in house. Yeah. I think our, our development team's done an incredible job and you're right. It, it's, 
velocity plays if if you watch the playoffs on tv and you watch what's coming out of the elite teams in our game you watch what's coming out of their hands it's velocity right it's velocity and breaking balls it's in the rotation it's in the bullpen it's in lefties it's in righties and and so uh to to win playoff baseball you have to miss bats and and generally speaking velocity paired with nasty nasty spin is is the recipe to do it and and to your point, I think we've started to see some guys come up with the ability to do that lately. And, and so it's been it's been fun. I think it's been a blessing for them to have some of the veterans that have have come have been. In. And I think you see uh, you, you definitely have seen a lot more stuff come up. It's been great. Now, the other fun thing that I, I got to be a part of this season was seeing guys making their MLB debuts, guys that you kind of. You know, all of a sudden I was there uh, for Hayden Wesniski's debut, you know, just stuff like that where it's just electric. And when you see those young guys and they're getting that opportunity, uh, how what is that like for you? I mean, you know, obviously, you know, usually like a guy like Hayden's going to be a starter, but I believe he kind of came in for Wade Miley, I think, on that debut. How is that for you kind of just kind of talking him through that, that, that very first night when the expectations are high? And again, you know, Wrigley's a lot different than, than a minor league part, especially when it's rocking. It is, and it, it is, and it, you know, it's, uh, you all, I, I kind of, my token line is, is like, I always tell them like, hey, two things are important like today. It's like breathe, and then your body's going to move faster than it's ever moved in its entire life. Just take an extra second over the rubber and do what you've been doing since you've been growing up. And you try to just keep it that simple day one. Um, the adrenaline's going to be real. You've got catchers back there that'll help you get through it. You're not trying to give them a lot of information. You're just trying to get them out there. Um, and just let them go, just go let them do what they do. I think we had Wesnitsky. I want to say Brandon Hughes's debut. He had to warm up on the mound because there was an injury. Uh. And so I think he had to, so he had to go out like straight fresh and warm up in front of everybody and, and kind of get <laughs> this thing going, which is, isn't, isn't what you would ask of anybody. And so um, it, it's definitely a lot of fun. It's I think what makes it even a little bit more fun is this group that kind of came up this year they've been together in the minor leagues for a while. And so the joy that you would see watching their teammate make their debut was really neat. Yeah. The camaraderie, you know, we've had a, lot, a chance to talk to a lot of different minor league guys and pitchers in general. And, and, you know, the one thing I always ask him is, Hey, who do you like to watch? Who do you kind of keep tabs on? You know, and they're just so excited to talk about their teammates. And, and that's what, as a Cub fan, that's what's got me excited is, is just, you know, I, I saw this before with all this talent bubbling up when I saw it in 2013, 2014, those times, you know, I couldn't name a lot of pitchers. Now it's almost equally divided when you say, okay, you got a PCA, you got a Matt Mervis, you know, you can go back and I, okay, Luis Devers, Hayden Wesniski, you can throw out a whole bunch of other names. And, and, and as you guys, you know, in charge of pitching, that's got to be excited to think about, you know, as good as I believe this team is going to be as far as pitching come opening day, there's also going to be help on the way. It's going to be waves of talent, I think. And that's got to be something that you may be keeping an eye on, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we, we saw kind of in May where we kind of got caught without some of that depth and you can see how quickly, how quickly it can tear you down a little bit. And so, um, you know, the second half of the season, I think we saw that depth that you're talking about come up and shine and, and excuse me, through the course of the season, you're going to, you're going to run through 2025 20, pitchers sometimes. And, and the least amount of downfall you can take with every guy that comes up, the better off you're going to be. And, and I, and I think our minor league group does a great job with that. I think Tommy leads our group incredibly well and understanding that when these guys get here, we're still going to develop them, that they're here to win and it's time to win. And that's what we're walking into right now is like your job today is to win. But at the same time, 
Tommy's going to lead our group in a way that that we're going to make sure they're not missing out development when they're up here too. That, that's it's great, and like I said, for for an organization like the Cubs, I mean, when I think about you know the last great pitchers developed, I mean, it's it's just it's a small list, so it's it's fun to kind of see what's going on. So as we talked about, we got CubsCon coming up, and then pitchers and catchers report in February. What's that like for you to get out to Mesa and and kind of see the fans? And and, and there's also the regulars, you know what I mean? There's there's the big kind of spring break crowd, but there's the regulars that I'm sure you're on a first name basis without it, Sloan, right? Yeah, it is. It's, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ready to fully commit to thinking about Macy yet. I don't feel like I've been home that long, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's just, it is, it's exciting. I mean, Cubs convention is going to be a blast now. Like we were talking about when we first started going on, like it's going to be neat to see some familiar faces now and, and to catch up with some fans. And, and there's a whole group out there in that bullpen above our, or in the bleachers above our bullpen that are just, that are just great people. And they're there every day. And, and they're into it and they're supporting you. And so it'll be fun to kind of see them and catch up a little bit. And, and then, yeah, you're right. Spring training. It's, I don't, it's again, it's like they take Wrigley and just move it South. You know, you 12, 13,000 people in a spring training game down there. It's, it's incredible and a ton of familiar faces and, and uh, it's nice. It's a blast. It's a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible place to have spring training. So um, I don't want to lie to you and say, I'm looking forward to it today, but um I think once uh, once Christmas kind of you get through Christmas and some really good family time, uh, January rolls around. Your uh, your head your head squarely turned to Mesa. Well, you know what the weather's like in Chicago. It's about to get thirty degrees tomorrow. We're going from seventy to thirty, and the second it hits thirty, that's when my brain starts clicking into Arizona. So I'll be ready. I just I just had a conversation today with Brandon Hughes, and he and he uh, I didn't he didn't get my phone call. And he texted me back and he said, "Hey, seventy degrees in Michigan playing golf." you understand right and i'm like yeah buddy we're all good let's uh, we'll catch up another time so i uh i spent some time growing up in illinois and ohio i understand those winters i, I definitely get it we'll be there hey see why i appreciate you coming on it, it's great to have you and and you've done such a great job like i said that pitching infrastructure and what you guys have built down there as someone that's you know goes to a lot of games and kind of just has seen the development and how that's grown it's been a real pleasure and we look forward to talking to you again soon yeah, it's been a blast. I appreciate it. It's fun. Um, we got a great group of guys. I love our infrastructure and and I love the opportunities like this. I don't think there's many places where where fans and, and people and players and coaches connect like they do with this ball with with this organization. And so it's fun to do this and create some time in the offseason. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Take care. You're listening to the Fly the W670 podcast. This one we are calling the Cubs Vegas Gamble. It's season one. It's episode 49. It's Dustin Rhodes and it's Crowley. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe so you get the podcast as soon as it is available to you. So Crowley, we've got some uh, movement on the Cubs 40-man roster. Yeah, there, we talked about in the last episode how the calendar's got some interesting dates here. One of the dates today, November 10th, this is the day that teams offered the qualifying offer to the players that would include Wilson Contreras, um, who from all accounts is turning that down, no questions asked. He's got until Tuesday to do that. Um, but keep in mind now here is that all the guys that were on the 60-day IL are off the IL. They all have all get automatically knocked off the IL and they have to be put on your 40 man roster. Okay. And so that triggers a whole bunch of moves that have to end up happening. So Kyle Hendricks, Cody Hewer, who came in the deal for um, Craig Kimbrell and Nick Magical, he was the other part of that deal with the White Sox. 
he is off the uh, 60 day IL. It doesn't mean they don't have to rehab and get better. Just they can't be sitting on the IL. Uh, Jason Hayward is off the IL. Rafael Ortega, Ethan Roberts have all been activated off the 60 day injured list. Now I can tell you, like I said, Ethan Roberts and Cody Hewer still have recovery to go, but they're not, they can't be on that injured list at this point in time. So to make room, David Bodie, Stephen Brault, Narciso Crook, Anderson Espinosa, and Fran Mil Reyes cleared waivers and were outrighted to Triple A Iowa. And Any surprises Alec- there, Crowley? Any surprises on those guys clearing waivers? Um, you know, everybody right now, it's a kind of a weird wait and see feeling because of the other dates that are coming up. You have until next week on Tuesday to have anyone you want on your 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 prospects on your that you want to protect on your forty man roster, right? And so what you have to do is you you know you're trying to clear space on that roster, right? Two other guys that kind of came off the sixty day IL and, and were sent to Iowa were Alec Mills and Brad Week. Um, and so today is there the total is thirty five on the forty man roster, right? So you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's pretty good. You know, we got five spots. You're also going to subtract Hayward and probably Rafael Ortega. I can't see him making. Yeah, a there's no re- listen. Rafael Ortega, nice guy, okay player. No reason to see him in a Cubs uniform again. So that puts you at 33. Okay, and this is where the number crunching starts. We're not talking about any players that the Cubs are looking to sign. We talked about Cody Senga. We talked about a shortstop. We talked about a first baseman. That's three right away. So that puts you, if you add that up, that puts you at 36 on your 40-man roster. So that, that's not including if they get anyone else, right? If they don't, other free agents that may, maybe a middle reliever, I don't know, whatever they may feel they need. A catcher, obviously, is going to be something that they need. And so you have to keep in mind here that those spots are extremely valuable. And so when you take a look at David Bodie, you know, boy, you're, you're going to sit there and, and use a 40-man roster spot on David Bodie. Everyone's going to claw to grab him. I, I don't think so. Yeah, uh, not Steven, right now. Right, not right no. now. Steven Brault, no. Narciso Crook. Anderson Espinosa. Anderson Espinosa is an interesting one, but uh, Fran Mil Reyes, uh, you know, he started out really hot, and, and, and we were hoping that, you know, working with some of his former hitting coach from San Diego would kind of click some things, but it didn't seem like that really happened, so – no surprises on that. Alec Mills, we, we talked about, you know, a good guy. Had an absolutely horrific year when it comes to injury last year. And Brad Week's been injured for a while. So I, I, nobody's picking those guys up and putting them on the 40-man roster. So I, I think it's pretty clear right now that, you know, 33. And, and, and as we look at the 40-man roster, there's going to be some more changes that are going to kind of come up. And the Cubs are going to have to make difficult decisions and that's what's going to happen the next time we talk to everybody is that we're going to be looking at that 40-man roster and the Cubs are going to add some young players like Brennan Davis to that 40-man roster. And that's going to really kind of create a crunch and some guys are going to be left exposed. And that's where you kind of get scared a little bit. Yeah, that is a little bit of a uh, scary proposition. There's no, there is no doubt about that, Crowley, no doubt about it. No, and so as we kind of get through here, like I said, there there's still you know you thinking potentially four free agents at least that the Cubs have to sign, and so it's 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 going to be very limited on who they can keep, and and so it's it's kind of one of those, you know, it's a great thing to have a farm system that has been as uh, good as the Cubs has been lately, right? With with uh, all of the you know guys getting to the postseason, there's a lot of talent, 
but the the risk of that is is that other teams can poach it when we get to the rule five draft and so that's why that deadline on tuesday is so important is that you have to figure out who potentially is someone that other teams may try to take and are you going to put them on the 40-man roster and it's it's a crazy numbers game that we're all going to be kind of looking at but you know as we kind of look further down the road we know uh, you know wilson has until even though he's going to reject it but he has some time to kind of mull over the qualifying offer uh, and we know that you know the cubs are going to release jason hayward and so when all this stuff happens it, it's going to get dicey that's that's what we're going to look at and it's going to it's going to get interesting well, by this time next week, Crawley, I am going to predict that the first at least medium-sized domino for the Cubs 2023 uh, roster is going to fall. By the time we are on our second podcast of next week, I think we are going to have some real solid information. And hey, if it happens before that, you can trust that uh, Crawley and I will get you guys that info right away. Also, Crawley, I know something that you're very excited about, but just to remind everybody that earlier today, CubsCon tickets went on sale to the public and... You and I are hopefully going to uh, be able to uh, conduct this very podcast live from the Cubs convention. I know you will be there in full force all three days for sure. Oh yeah, I get there early and I don't leave till I'm the last one out the door. So it's, it's <laughs> I, I'm so excited about CubsCon, and if you've been listening to the podcast, you know I've been talking about it with all the guests that we've had on there, and and a lot of these guys have never experienced it, and. And when we talked to Jen Martindale of the Cubs about CubsCon, I think that they're really going to do some new and interesting things to kind of, you know, keep all the things that everybody loves, like, you know, opening ceremonies and off the mound with Ryan Dempster and uh, bingo and all those great things that make CubsCon so fun. But at the same time, I think that they may have some new twists in there. So Cubs Convention is going to be a blast. And, and please, if you do go to Cubs Convention, be on the lookout for Dustin or myself. I'll be the guy with the Crawley jersey on. And, uh, you know, have a conversation. Tell us what you think of the podcast, and hopefully, you're already listening, downloading, reviewing, and subscribing. Especially that subscribing part. And, and and we can definitely, we'd love to talk to you guys all at Cubs Convention and and get those tickets before they sell out because I think this is going to be it's it's going to be so great to be back with everybody at the Sheridan. That's a wrap, Crowley. Season 1, Episode 49 is in the books. The Cubs-Vegas gamble. There will be plenty of news still to come out of those general manager meetings. Hope you have a great weekend, and we'll be back early next week with, hey, our 50th edition of this podcast. Hey, it's, it's been 50. It's been fun, and we will talk to you all later. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Instagram and Twitter. Fly the W at Facebook or email us at flythew670 at gmail.com. It's all over. 